0: Who-done-its? You watch them. Uh, I'm more of a sci-fi person myself, like Spock. Live long and prosper. I like him, but I do understand the intrigue of a good mystery. You know, where you spend most of your time looking for the clues, and the natural perception skills are heightened as you start to try and picture what's really going on here. The identifying the sinister motives and, and all of that. And ultimately, who was behind the death of the victim? That's something that's really behind, you know, a lot of the the whodunit type sort of murder mysteries that you see on television. Usually it's the evil guy that plots the death of the good guy. How many of you know that that's not how the gospel story goes? Isn't that interesting? That's not how the gospel story goes. It's the good guy that plots the death of the good guy. And it's just something for us to behold. It's something there for us to to get our attention. The message of the cross is actually described as a mystery. It's a mystery that church should know as well. It shouldn't be a mystery to us, the church. And I want to encourage you this morning to, again, reflect on all that the cross meant for all of us. All that the cross meant in our lives and, of course, the impact of it. We should be able to reveal it to others. Amen? The mystery of the cross. I like Colossians chapter 1 and verse 26. It says, Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints. God's church, his saints, should know and should be able to reveal this mystery of the cross, what it is, how in effect it was God the Father's big plan to bring a saviour into the earth and that it was his own son, that God planned to come into the world and die the death of the cross. We should know that and have an understanding of that. We should know how to introduce the lost to faith in Christ and be busy about that job. Amen. I can't even recall... Who it was, but I was talking to someone just recently saying just how sometimes, you know, when we're out preaching the gospel or here on Sunday services, and, and there's a, a just that certain amount of lament that there's not more people to hear that word that went out that day. But, um, you know, it's no matter because God's at work. God's at work reaching the lost. He's at work convicting the sinner of the sin of not believing on Jesus. He's at work out there. You know, the, the angelic host are at work. We need not be concerned. Sometimes we do a performance measurement and we look and we count and we go, well, you know, we've got this and we've got that and we've achieved that and this. And we look at all that and we, well, I guess you could say we go through our KPIs, key performance in indicators, and we wonder how we're going. But you know what? God's at work. And we're a people that should be, you know, realizing that. You now when you share the gospel with someone, you should already know that, he, that our Heavenly Father's at work in that person's heart. Amen. The great mystery that needs to be revealed by the church is called the redemptive plan of God for mankind. You could look that up, you could Google that and get different views on what that actual story is, what that plan is, you could do that. But this morning, we need to understand how God the Father has down through the history of mankind taken the necessary steps to pay the ransom price for the sin of mankind. We go out of there being reflective of that and thankful You know, having that heart of gratitude. We walk out of here today, we've done what we should do on Good Friday. And said from our own heart, thank you Lord, you did it for me. So we know man falls from grace in the garden and, 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 and God who knows the end from the beginning saw it. And this is an interesting thing because, you know, we know that he saw it in the garden. And even, you know, if you go back to the garden, you see this picture of God the Father come walking in the garden in the cool of the evening, which was his habit, which, what he did and, and going where are you? Where are you? He knew where they were. You see, he knew that they were in sin. But the thing we need to consider is that God sees the fall of man from grace before the very beginning of creation. God sees it. God sees it right at the very beginning. Imagine what it would be like Let's say you conceive a plan to build a house. I know there's some that have already got that heart, you know, to build a home, build a house. But um, something that is so outstanding, you know, a unique design, but it has this one flaw, this one mistake, this, this one issue that just can't be overcome at the planning stage. And you knew that it had, you know, to have the finished house the, the way you wanted it, you would need to make provision for this floor, this failure. And during the building stage, the floor needs continual pla- patching up, uh, duct tape. Who loves a bit of duct tape when, you, when you've got a problem? Something's not working the way it should. A little bit of duct tape, it's good. Let's just say temporary measures, interventions is probably another word. It would be like you worked on this house design and the very thing that made the design unique and worth doing could only be achieved with a weakness that would need to be overcome later. And in your design stage, working on the plan, you foresaw that it didn't work, you know, that it wouldn't work. And you saw that it would fail. And so you built in the only solution into the plan that would work which was you needed to have a tradesman come in at a certain point and apply the fix. Who would need to come on a call out and at a predetermined time and do something that only he could do and fix it. And you knew that right from the very beginning when you were looking at the design of it. Think about that. Yeah. So before you even started to build, you rang ahead, you booked the tradesman, at the exact moment that you would need that fix applied, and even before you'd poured the foundation, the concrete, you've already booked the tradesman for that predetermined day when that failure would occur and the fix was needed. And anyone who needs a tradesman in Broome at the moment would know just how hard that actually is to get (laughs) even the tradesman to come and uh, take your call and any of those things. But this is God the Father, right from the very foundation of the earth. Look what it says. 1 Peter 1, in verse 18 to 20, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life you inherited from your, far, uh, from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or spot. Verse 20, he was known... Before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. He was known before the foundation of the world. What does the scripture say there in Revelations? Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It was in the plan. It was in the purpose of God. This flaw that could only be fixed. And of course, we know it was Jesus. It's fascinating to consider that when we stand in awe and wonder at the creation, you know, we, we look up into the night sky. Sky, I, I often do, as last night was pretty good too, by the way, looking out in, you know, across the ocean sometime down there at Ganthium, We see and, and, and look and, and just wonder at God's creation. And we should, we should understand and we should have that moment where we think about it and go, you know what? It was all for Jesus. It's all for Jesus. And sometimes that's a hard thought to have because we look at the beauty of it, we see so much that is life in creation and we see the fulfilment of God's plan that he's building his heavenly house, his kingdom, the place for his family. And our father sees a house filled with sons and daughters. Of course, in Isaiah 45 and verse 12, it says, it is I who made the earth, And created man upon it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens and ordained all their host. So we see the Lord building his house with the failure built in. But a fix for that failure is determined. It's pre-planned. He was known before the foundation of the world, but revealed in these last times for your sake. Down through the ages, you know, the pages of history of mankind from the very moment the failure occurred, God the Father, God the Creator began to speak of the fix that was planned to restore mankind to grace and favour. It was the seed of the woman. We go back to Genesis chapter 3. Then we see the covenants that God made with man. The Edenic covenant right through to the Abrahamic covenant, the Noahic covenant, judges, kings, you see all these interventions and Measures put in place. These are all interventions and temporary measures until the fullness of time to get the fix into the earth. I like to read from Ephesians as well. It says that in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. He knew how to do it, knew how to get the job done, and he foresaw it having made known to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. You know, and the prophets foresaw it. The prophets saw that ultimate fix as well. And of course, they wrote of it. The sacrifice paid for the redemption of mankind to save us from our sins. Amos 3.7 says, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret." To his servants, the prophets, uh, John the Baptist also saw it, didn't he, when he declared, "Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world." Wow, you see, the prophets are all foresaw, and of course we see, Isaiah the prophet, some seven hundred and fifty years before Jesus is even born, with a glimpse of the future plan of God, the mystery, he gets an insight into it, he sees the fix, and describes it in his writings, Isaiah. Chapter 53 and verse 3 to 4, it says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he was born, uh, sorry, surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Yet for the religious leaders of the day, those who were empowered to set him free and could have, but still determined to have Jesus crucified, that's, and that was despite the 300 Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled in his life. I mean, you, you would have thought they would have seen that. They were men of the Bible, men of the book, and the religious of the leaders of the day conspired to kill him anyway because they were insecure and threatened and their final insult for Jesus was to consider him stricken smitten and afflicted by God and not even recognizing the purpose of God to bring a saviour into the world verse um, verse 5 through to 6 it says but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isn't it great to be saved from your sin? Isn't it great to be free? Isn't it great to experience the peace that only God can give? There's a few heads nodding this morning. I shared last, last week about how my dad got saved in Easter, Easter Sunday, 1986, put his hand up. You know, my dad was fairly quiet, sort of, he didn't, he wasn't really fairly, in any way raucous or, or loud, or he was a very, like you say, quiet and reflective man. And after that salvation experience in the church in 1986, Easter Sunday, 1986, I went home, and I thought, I just, I was just really keen to find out if he felt, you know, you know, really different. And so we're sitting there in his house having a cup of coffee. And I said to him, I said, Dad, you know, I couldn't wait because he wasn't very talkative about the experience of putting his hand up and going down the front and giving his heart for Jesus. And, and I'm sort of sitting there and I'm busting to ask him. Couldn't hold it back any longer. I said, Dad, how do you feel? And he goes, mm, not much. And, you know, and of course, he was bursting my bubble. And... Um, and then he said, but I do feel incredibly peaceful, incredibly peaceful. And I love it because the chastisement for our peace, his peace was upon Jesus. And one of the things that you can experience if you come to Jesus is that peace. But, you know, we have to maintain that peace as well, don't we? We have to, we have to work the word of God in our lives so that we can walk in the peace that he made available at the cross for us to walk in. Not let all the associated fears and anxieties of life come upon us, but, you know, stand in the peace that's been given to us. And now we have that great shepherd of the sheep. We need to recognise that he's gathered us all together in the church, not just here, but, you know, the church worldwide. He wants to continue to show himself faithful as the great shepherd of the sheep. And not only that, but he has others that he wants to bring into the fold. And that's our job as well, is to be those people that are out there sharing the gospel, helping people understand that there was a flaw. And it was mankind, mankind's ability, if, if you like, to do the wrong thing. And that it had to be built in. It had to be built in because anything else would have meant that man wouldn't have free will. It's interesting to consider. It's interesting to think on that. That was the flaw that had to be built in. But God, from the very lamb slain from the foundation of the earth, God saw it and knew it and made a provision for it. And that's how good our God is. Amen. He made a provision for every single one of us this morning. And I, I want us to just reflect on that as we uh, receive this morning's communion and the cup and the bread. And I'd just like to invite you to come up and, uh, and, and grab, a, grab your cup and bread. Found in his mouth. When they heaped abuse on him, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats, but entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. It says, by his stripes you are healed. Let's eat. Uh, the bread this morning in remembrance of the body that was broken for us thank you Lord (laughs) thank you Heavenly Father Lord we thank you for your goodness your great kindness that you've shown us in Christ Jesus Heavenly Father we thank you that Jesus uh, took our place upon the cross that his body was broken Lord bruised and beaten Father Lord Lord We thank you that, Lord, he took our place and paid the price for the penalty of our sin, Lord. And, Lord, it is so that we might live unto righteousness. Lord, we thank you that as we walk in that, Lord, as we walk in our understanding that we've been made right with you through our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that we can give even greater thanks, heartfelt thanks today, and we do so in Jesus' name. And it says also... It says that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And then it says this, by his stripes you were healed. And we need to remember that healing is a part of the atonement. Uh, healing is a part of what Jesus achieved for us at the cross. It wasn't just that we were forgiven of our sins, but also healing was made available to us. And we need, I believe in this time more than ever, need to rise up in that understanding again and, and refresh ourselves with the truth. So let's just uh, drink and, and thank the Lord for the, for the blood that was shed for us. We thank you, Lord, that it was just by the very stripes, Lord God, that you received upon the cross, Lord even the, the blood that was shed for us, Lord. Lord, we thank you that we're healed by it, Lord. And Lord, that we're, we're washed clean, but we're also healed of our, our diseases. Lord, you made provision for us to rise up in health and healing, Lord. And Lord, we thank you by, by faith, Lord, we receive that today in Jesus' name. And even at this time, Lord God, when there's so many that are concerned and even afflicted with a worldwide virus that's going around, Lord. We thank you that your protective hand is upon our lives, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you for healing for all those, Lord, that have been affected by it. We thank you that healing comes, Lord, and healing comes speedily. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Well, hallelujah. We're going to go out with a song.